About the story of the friend at midnight in the passage we just read, you might be thinking, Richard, if I had someone visit at midnight and we needed something to eat, I wouldn't go to my neighbour. I'd just use Deliveroo. And if you happen to want an egg or a fish, well, don't we have Getir now? You see, we live in a world where we can get hold of almost any goods, almost any time, by ourselves. And I wonder if that, more than any other thing, stops us asking the God of the universe for things that we need. Yet as we all know, as ease of getting stuff has grown massively in the last 20 years, anxiety and depression have also risen with them across the board. Perhaps we don't actually have everything we need. Well, today Jesus teaches us in this passage that a key to living life well is going to the Father God for things continually and habitually. Now, the command centre of this passage is verses 9 and 10. Let's have a look and just see how the words of Jesus pile up in this section as he encourages us to ask God for what we need. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Six weeks ago, we lost my younger daughter's glasses. I looked under every seat in the car twice. I looked in the cracks in the sofa, every shelf, corner, nook, and cranny. It was my wife who found them in a random box over a month later. Seek, and you will find. Then Jesus says, knock, and the door will be open to you. Have you ever stood outside a door knocking and it never opens? This door will be opened. And then Jesus repeats himself all over again. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. He wants us to, to picture these people. Can you see the delight on their faces? To the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Do you see, Jesus is teaching us that we should be asking God for things way more than we're naturally inclined to. I want you to picture our 10-year-old daughter when we went to the park recently. She's holding out six precious monkey nuts in her hand. She wants to feed the squirrels. She's desperate to find some who, who come and take them off her. She searched in the bushes and when she finds a squirrel, she's holding out the nut for the squirrel to come and take it. That's the kind of picture in this passage. Ask him. Jesus wants us to come to his father for food, yes, but also forgiveness, calm hearts, productivity, healthy relationships, justice. Jesus wants us to come to God for those things way more than we're naturally inclined to ask. Maybe you wouldn't call yourself a committed Christian. I've often had conversations with people who say something like, Yes, I think there might be a God, and I find the Bible quite interesting, but I can't accept the whole deal about Jesus and everything. I just can't quite believe it. Jesus says in this passage, ask, seek, 
knock. He makes a promise. Why not take him up on his promise? Ask him to reveal himself. Whether you're a Christian or not, I think all of us have a sneaking suspicion that the creator God who is there is just a bit reluctant to give us the best things. But nothing could be further from the truth. He delights to give to needy people. You can bet that's true because his son Jesus came down to the muck of this world and gave his life for humans. He's not at all reluctant. He loves to give us the best things. Now, one unusual thing about this passage is that the disciples ask for this teaching. Imagine someone in your department at work is just brilliant at what they do. Everyone wants to be like them. And as you watch them, maybe there's some software they always use or a planning resource they've got. That seems to be the key. So you ask them, could you show me that? The disciples do that with Jesus in verse 1. Lord, teach us to pray. And the main thing he comes back with is, well, you need to ask God for stuff way more than you're naturally inclined to. That's what he wants to drive home. I've got five words that summarize Jesus' teaching overall in this passage. I'll take us through those, and then we'll think practically about how we can be more habitually and continually asking God for help. The first word is Father, in verse 2. When you pray, say, Father. Now you can be in the middle of the ocean, stranded, with no drinking water, and sharks surrounding your boat, like Louis Zamperini in Unbroken. Call on your Creator, and He will hear you, even if you're not yet a disciple. But if you are a disciple of Jesus, you can call God Father. Jesus gave his life so that you and I can have the same access to the Creator God that he does. When you pray, say, Father. The next of our five words is give. Verse 3, give us each day our daily bread. So prayer in the Bible is unashamedly asking God for things. Of course, thanking God, telling him how we feel, reflecting on what he's like. These are all encouraged for disciples of Jesus. But when the Bible uses the word prayer, it's talking about asking God for things, asking God to do things. In this passage, five things are mentioned. Asking God to uphold his honour, to help people treat him as king, for our daily needs, for forgiveness of specific sins, and for help to keep trusting him in the face of temptation to do otherwise. Father, give. Then the third word, audacity. In verse 8, shameless audacity. It's how we're to come to our Father when we want him to give us things. Can you imagine going around to your friend's house at midnight? Maybe if you're desperate, you might knock on your mate's door. You might ask, have you got some bread? Even just a few slices would be great. In Jesus' story, he's like, three loaves, please. And if it was you or me, we might say, I thought maybe you might still be up. If it's not too much trouble, this guy's in bed. 
His whole family's asleep. And Jesus says, because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. How much more the God who never sleeps and can provide more bread in a minute than an entire Hovis factory in a year. Audacity. We need to ask God for things way more than we're naturally inclined to. And the next verse is more. In verses 11 to 13, about the snake and the scorpion and the fish and the egg. Maybe you'd like to give a snake or a scorpion to the most annoying person in your office, but you wouldn't, right? But would you give one to your child who just wanted something to eat? It's inconceivable. Even though we are evil, as Jesus says, we're innately self-centered, aren't we? I am. But the other day I got my daughters a McDonald's takeaway as a surprise. They were delighted. And that gave me so much joy. How much more the perfect heavenly father. More. And the final word is Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the best gift God can give us. And the one we most need. Part of our trouble when we think about prayer is that we think we know what the best gifts are. As a father, I am sometimes reluctant to give my daughters what they ask for. If, for example, it's another plasticky toy, which after the initial excitement of a few minutes, will go on just to take up space in an already overcrowded drawer. I'm not that inclined to give them what they ask for in that situation or some situations. But say, for example, a sports ball. They may not be so enthusiastic, but it'll give them hours of fun and exercise. God gives us the best gift of himself, his Holy Spirit. I don't know if you remember what it's like to pack to go on holiday. It can be hard. I'm not sure what I'll need. Even if you end up taking too much, don't you always get there and think, I should have brought that. The Holy Spirit is the person we always need to help us. In any situation, the one help we can never do without Because he's God himself. So five words again to summarize Jesus' teaching. Father, we have access. Give, ask him for things. Audacity, ask boldly. More, he's so willing to give. And Holy Spirit, the best gift. We need to ask God for stuff way more than we're naturally inclined to. And if we believe that, then you and I need to make a plan to pray. To fail to plan is to plan to fail. Because we're naturally not inclined to pray habitually and continually. Can I ask, where are you at in terms of habitual and continual prayer? I'm praying this talk might be a chance for you to reset. And as we finish, here's five ideas to put this into practice. First, as much as possible, pray about everything that you care about. Do you care about your health, your finances, your friendships? Why wouldn't you pray about them? Do you care about how your day at the office goes today? Of course you do. Did you pray about it? 
We can get weary, can't we? When I was working in a school, I remember one of the teachers who was a Christian saying to me, I pray about lots of other stuff, but I realised I never pray about doing my job well. I'm just taking the help I need for granted. As much as possible, let's pray about everything we care about. Could you make a list of around 30 things that are really important to you? People or situations? How about going to bed 10 minutes earlier? And get up 10 minutes earlier so you can pray about four or five of them each morning. Second, and related, why not make a habit of praying about your schedule for a few minutes each day? If you're you're in the habit of taking some time each day to open your Bible, when you've finished, why not just open up your schedule and just ask God's help for each part of your day? Third, pray specifically for the Holy Spirit's help. A friend of mine shared recently about the bad language that he can get dragged into using at work. The Holy Spirit can help us control our tongues. He can help us be patient with the colleague we so easily lose our temper with, who, by the way, can probably tell, even if you don't think you're showing it. Pray specifically for the Spirit's help. Here's another idea. Put down your phone and pray. I'm talking about those moments when we're bored or maybe waiting for someone or just looking for something to distract, inspire, cheer us up. So we pick up our phone. Remember, it promises the power to get us almost anything we want, almost immediately. But if what Jesus is saying is true, we can get things that are much better from asking our Father. Lord, give me joy. Lord, give me a fruitful afternoon. Lord, help my kids at school right now. Father, help me with this project, this relationship at work. Lord, I've let you down again. Forgive and restore me. Put down your phone and pray. And finally, just offer to pray for other people. When you meet or chat on the phone with someone, you share stuff going on in your lives. Why not offer to pray there and then? Maybe you're sitting on a park bench, having a coffee or something. You don't have to shut your eyes, just pray. It might sometimes feel weird. But if you love your friend, why wouldn't you go to the Father for them? The Father who delights to give the best things when we ask. Last year I ploughed through the very lengthy autobiography of a man named George Mueller. He was a serious rebel as a young man, but was converted and came to England and became a pastor. Through his orphanages in Bristol, Mueller cared for as many as a thousand orphans at a time, all provided for by donations which simply came in answer to prayer. By the time he died, in his journals, he had written down over 50,000 specific answers to prayers, more than one per day, every single day, for 60 years. Tell us about prayer, Jesus. Well, Richard, you need to ask God for stuff way more than you're naturally inclined to. Let's do that together now. Let's pray.
Father God, we thank you for the way that you've opened up to your immense resources and most of all for your Holy Spirit to help us in our daily lives. We pray that you'll help us to come to you habitually and continually for our joy and for your glory's sake, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.